how'd you get into design? How'd you get into web design? What drove you there? What were you doing before? Okay. I was looking for work. I was actually thinking about getting back into the mines. I just wanted to do the kind of work that I wanted to do, work with the people that I wanted to work with. Because yeah, like I said, there's only so many roofing or plumbing websites that I could get excited about and be like, oh, tell me about your brand. Like, what are you guys about? Like, Dude, I was part of the branding of the state of Israel. If you come visit us in Israel, you will land in the airport and you will see a you know weird shaped logo. And I worked on that. What is up, Caleb, the rising star of the Webflow agency world? <laughs> Dude, the video that you made for us uh, was epic. Everybody should definitely see it. I'm, I'm super excited about having you on the channel, about our collaboration for the new Webflow Masterclass. Thanks yeah, for being here. And Me part too. Of this. Me too, man. I'm so pumped. And like, uh, like I said, when we first got in touch, like this all started from like, for, like starting with your videos four years ago, whatever. So it's this weird, it's a bit of a surreal kind of circle, you know? It's very funny. You know, I didn't know that you took our course. I randomly saw you tweeting about your uh, Webflow checklist and I was very impressed. And I, I watched the Loom video that you recorded and I was like, this guy is not only a pro, he's good vibe. And that's what I like. And so <laughs> that actually triggered, you know, us working together. Uh, I'll talk about, cool. about those vibes, dude. Uh, for me, I'm like, I'm these days, and maybe we'll talk about it now, but like one thing I'm focused on now, I've just done almost 200 projects at this point. And after this many projects, now I'm just, I just want good energy. I just want good feelings, good experiences. Cause like, I, I can't do another 200 website builds without it feeling good. You know what I mean? Um, Definitely. Yeah. I think we'll get to it when we're going to talk about what, what does success mean for us? And I would love to hear your take on this and kind of like what we're optimizing for. But I would love to, I'd love to get started. First of all, did I notice now that you have a tattoo in Hebrew on your hand? I did I see that do. correctly? Yeah. Dude, that's very random. Why, why in Hebrew? It's kind of like a religious, biblical thing? I was brought up super religious. and um, Really? Interesting. So it was my first tattoo, which is God is peace. Right? God is peace. Ah. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. So, yeah, shalom. Very right? interesting. Let's get started with you telling me how you got into the Webflow space in general. I mean, I, I know you took our course, but what? how did you get into design? How did you get into web design? What drove you there? What were you doing before? Long story short, I was actually in a pretty hard place five years ago. And okay. I was looking for work. I was actually thinking about getting back into the mines. I oh, worked really? in the mines for a couple of years. I'm like, man, I need to get some cash together. As a miner? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was working on drugs. Oh my God, what were you mining? We were mainly looking for gold. Okay. You know, for mining, we were working on big drilling rigs where we would deal, you know, drill into the earth and pits and... That's crazy. How old are you, by the way? 33. 33, okay. Yeah, yeah. Long story short, um, I was putting out applications, looking for all sorts of jobs to, to get into. I'd built a few websites, I'd been in online marketing, a bit of click funnels, online sales. And then uh, a friend of mine has an SEO company and he said, oh, we need, we need a hand with one of these websites. You know, we'll pay. I think what were you building websites before? Like, it's very random. Well, I, I, I work in mines and then on the weekend I do websites. Like, it sounds random. Like, in what context were you, were you doing funnels and then click funnels? How did you get to that? Because it's a big jump. Uh, I worked in the mines when I was like early 20s. For a couple okay. of years so that that was like 10 you know seven eight years okay, beforehand and uh, so i kind of i'd done that i'd 
I'd known, you know, I can do it, it's good money. And then, so yeah, I was kind of doing full circle, but I was doing like um, uh, online consulting and coaching. I was in, I'm a big fan of love and relationship philosophy. And uh, that was kind of the space that I was focused in. What does that mean? I'm not, because do you mean like websites or companies that relate with love and relationship as in as clients or something? So I started off in basically the relationship coaching space and I was okay. doing my own thing, but then I got involved with other uh, another business, helping them grow their, you know, because I was similar to how we connected, like they saw some of my content online, hey, I want to connect. And then, but that didn't really go the way I expected, which led to a pretty, a pretty unpleasant situation five years ago, put it that way. So it. it was like a, okay, I've got to do something completely new now. And I've got to, yeah, I want to do something that's just completely different to what I've done before. And then my friend who has a SEO company is like, we need a hand with websites. And I was like, work in the mines, try building websites. Uh, <laughs> so I think the first one too was like 300 bucks. And I was like, whoa, 300 bucks for a website. I was like, if I just did one of these a day, you know, that's, you know. <laughs> you know, just randomly interrupting you again, because I was recently reading a book about miners. And when I was reading about it, I was like, every day that I think that I have a hard day as a web designer, I should remember I am not in the mines right now. <laughs> so it's just a reference, right? A thousand percent. I mean, back in the mines, you know, the the um, the drop-off rate was like sixty to eighty percent would quit in the first month or two. It was just there was. That's crazy. I don't know if you use Celsius or Fahrenheit, but um, there were some days Celsius. Yeah. There were days that were over fifty degrees in the middle of the desert. Oh, crazy! Fifty oh. degrees, dude. You could eat the air. It was that hot, and like it was just. Um, yeah. So I'm very grateful okay. to have such a comfortable job now web design sounds good <laughs> $300 I'll take it totally mate offered me the you know hey do you want to do this website I'd done it I dabbled you know over the few years that I was kind of doing the relationship programs and courses and then um yeah I remember the site too it doesn't exist now but people can look up the company it was called lawn lives matter and it was like a landscaping business and oh my God, I hope this guy never sees this this video. But I mean, back then I was so proud. It was like one of the best. It was still looked really good. I mean, compared to what we do now though, like then I was like, this is amazing. This is sick. Like then I was kind of hooked. I was like, hey, let's, you know, what are we, what can we do here? Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it started. And that was with WordPress. We're mainly using like Divi and theme builders. That's where we started. So you, you got into web design that way and then at some point discovered Webflow or... And at what point did you go on your own? Did you continue to work with him? Yeah, so for two years, I was working with um, Periscope, SEO company, Legends. They do incredible work. My, my best mate runs the company. So over those two years, I built out the, the website department, built a team. We started having systems and processes. But that two years was... There was some real... Um, growing pains huge learning curve the first year was mainly uh wordpress and i we did about 50 i did about 50 sites in that first year and um you know at one point we had like 16 websites on at at one time and i was just like 
frazzled. So you honestly, you saw how, or you learned how to manage a business or run multiple projects and stuff like that before you were doing it on your own. You kind of saw it from the inside. So you're not completely fresh when you started your own. Exactly. So I got to see um, a lot of the inner workings of being a part of an agency, being a part of a team, which, you know, was just looking back is so big. It's such a beneficial thing. And also to, and we, I think I talk about this in the video um, we've done is that like having peers or people that you're kind of building alongside or in people to look up to that you are close with is just, I have no idea what I'd be doing now if I didn't have those kind of normal standards around me, you know? Yeah, for sure. I also did agency work before going on on my own. It was very, very helpful. Mainly, I think operations as well, but for me, it was a lot of psychology. I mean, learning to empathize with your clients and the fact that they have other problems besides your website. Uh, I know other other friends of mine who right up straight up just started their own kind of like agency and they were their mindset was like, ah, oh, clients are stupid. They're like this and that. And that's that's actually one of my key takeaways from me working in an agency, just like understanding how to relate to clients and deliver good service. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's, uh, yeah. I feel like, you know, I think anyone honestly, that's kind of running their own business has to have a, be a little bit crazy in some way. Um, or there's some kind of like healthy delusion that's involved with starting your own thing. In, in my opinion, not like jumping straight in without any kind of like, let's imagine you're a lawyer and you work for a law firm and then you start your own law firm. Like that makes sense. But if you fresh out of like um, studying law and you're like, I'm going to start my own law firm. Like that for me is like, whoa, whoa, yeah. man. Like, yeah, it's very, I think it's very common. I see our students just because, you know, to learn web design, you take an online course and then you're like, okay, I'm ready to do client work. And, and a lot of them just jump right into it. Um, and I agree with your advice. If you can work next to somebody and learn from somebody first and then transition, that's a good, that's a good process. When when did you decide you want to do your own thing? Well, and to add to that that point, I had this thought the other day from our conversations and I spoke to someone else. We've had about 40 or 50 people um, contact us recently to, to join the team. And one of the things I was kind of thinking of is like if, again, I'm talking to myself here, like I can't give other people advice, but talking to myself in the past is like, well, Caleb, if you can't help an existing semi-healthy business become more profitable and grow, then I'm not sure how I would expect to do it myself, if that makes sense. I understand what you're saying, but I know like a lot of places I worked, you know, the founders or managers had an idea about, for example, the agency that I worked with, you know, and I learned tons and the boss there you know, the person who was my boss is still a good friend of mine. And he is like, I consider him my mentor. That being said, his idea of running a company meant that the team was staying in the office until 1 a.m., like three, four times a week. And for him, that was okay because he was, he enjoyed it. He didn't care. For him, that was great. For me, I was like, dude, that's unsustainable for me. I want to have a family. I don't want to live like this. So, and I, and, and I've, I've had multiple conversations with him but I can't change him, right? He's like, no, no, trust me, I'm doing this for 10 years. This is what it is required to succeed. 
this is how we're going to work. And you can't argue with him. You know, he's successful, but it's just like, that's not for me. I want to do it my way. Yeah, no, makes sense. That's, that's the other side of the coin, right? Because I've been having chats with my team recently and I'm like, the way that I'm trying to build things with our team is that um, the more value that is created with the team, that they can really see like a like a one-to-one um, feedback loop like of their value. Like if they create more value in the business, then they can earn more in the business. So they've got a lot more control over what they can create and how that impacts. I've noticed by setting things up like that, my team is becoming more invested in contributing to what we're doing and we all win. Um, but you're totally right. If That's amazing. I, no, no, that's yeah. amazing. I think um, you have to be in the right business to be able yeah. to do that. Yeah. So when did you decide you want to do your own thing? What was the trigger for? <laughs> yeah. So, I um, so after two years, uh, the, the main thing was, man, like the, there's only so many like roofing websites that I could could do um, and actually similar to what you're describing you know there were certain things or directions or things that I would want to do but you don't have that total control over what you want to do you have to work within the existing framework so I just wanted to do the kind of work that I wanted to do work with the people that I wanted to work with because um, yeah like I said there's only so many roofing or plumbing websites that I could get excited about and be like, oh, tell me about your brand. Like, what are you guys about? Like, why do you do what you do? Like, we're plumbers. Okay. And like, what's the vision for this company? <laughs> you know? A world without where all toilets flush. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Clean toilets worldwide. Wow. Yeah. So um, the vision for Flogger is at the start was basically, and, and with full blessing with from, from, the, uh, from the team, they'd seen that I kind of, I guess, outgrown as well, wanting to do my own thing. Um, and we still partner on, on stuff now. But uh, yeah, that was the point where I decided to launch. And you discovered you discovered Webflow while you were working with them or afterwards? Yes. And and as soon as I discovered Webflow, I was like, uh, I said to the guys, we are not building another WordPress site. And there was like, no buts. It was just, I've refused. We didn't touch another they, WordPress Did site. they agree? Yeah. There was no choice. That's amazing. <laughs> And, and, and clients didn't have a problem. Uh, no, no, we never, yeah. uh, I can't even remember a time where there was an issue and, um, and yeah, it's completely changed that business as well. Now they're a hundred percent Webflow. Yeah. That's interesting. What's the Webflow scene in Australia? Like, is it big? Does, are there meetups? We're definitely, I would say behind if I see what is happening in the EU and US. Um, although we've got guys like Reloom here and I think Flowbase. Oh, they're Australians? I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, man. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Dude, I love what they're doing. I'm, uh, I'm also partnering with them, you know, for the course. They're going to give us kind of like free Reloom for students and it's oh, dude. what they're Are doing now with the AIs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with, yeah. Dan. with Dan. With Dan. Oh, Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I'm, I'm yeah, they're doing great work. Them, uh, in a few weeks. Okay, so there is stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, small pockets, but it's if I talk about like, um, you know, like sales calls and just the general consensus, um, when I speak to people in the US, on average, I feel like there's just more awareness about cool new things. I feel like Australia is just a little bit behind on most things. Yeah, but there's big potential then. You can position yourself. 
well, that's that was the that was the goal three years ago. I was looking online. I was like, there was no one uh, here, and and I was like, we'll be like the gurus in Australia for Webflow. Um, and then finally enough, like it was probably months after that that I started to see that the trend of things being flow this and flow that and everything was flow. Fantastic. So, you know, obviously I've seen your video and I know how big you are on business processes. And I recently, (laughs) I recently saw a funny meme on Twitter. I don't know if you know these memes where there is kind of like the stupid or very stupid junior person on the left side and a guru on the left, uh, on the right side. And then there's like the middle of the road and like the, the stupid junior and the gurus always think the same. They're like the simple thing, but the person in the middle always overcomplicates things. Do you know these memes? <laughs> Never mind. So in that particular meme, it was kind of like stupid and guru both say, uh, CEO works hardest in the business. And the person in the middle is like, no, the CEO needs to come up with business processes and, and strategic alignments and blah, 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 you know, overcomplicates everything. Again, not dissing on, and I think I was in that part as well, kind of like I had this thing like a couple of years ago where I would say like, no, 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 I shouldn't be doing the work. I need to think about the strategy and blah, blah, blah. Where do you, I see you're working very hard uh, I know from our collaboration, you're doing so many things, but you're also very hard into business processes. Like, how do you see? Big time. And on that last point, it's very, it's humbling to hear things like that. And I still have to remind myself, you know, because I look back at things that I was very certain about a year ago, just certain about two years ago, certain about six months ago. And now I've maybe learned something new and I'm like, oh, oh that was a bad idea or Maybe there was a better way to do it. Um, so I'm constantly uh, being humbled and trying to kind of peel back those kind of layers of ego and it has to be done this way. And, um, but yeah, interesting. So on the, the question was... It's not really a question, more like kind of like, a, do you think business processes is more important than working hard? Do you think when, when does working hard becomes too hard? Like, are you saying yes to too many things? Does that become a, a problem? I don't know. It's a good question, man. And I don't even know if I'm the best person to, to answer it because I've probably, I'm in one of the worst states of health that I've been in in like a long time. Because you're overworked. Overworked, yeah. Like terribly overworked. It's been like consistently 60 to 80 hour weeks for, for months. Okay, but here's here's what's changed though, and this is why I've been heavy on on the systems side of things. So it was about a year ago that I was building about ten websites, mainly probably ninety percent by myself. Um, ten websites on the go at the same time, and some of these were big projects. And uh, I was just, I just had my bed next to the uh, in my office here, and I was just like, falling asleep, wake up, and it was just insane, but I was committed to getting the jobs done and on time, but I needed, like, I couldn't sleep unless, because I'm, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that. So that's where really becoming hardcore about documenting things, systemizing things so that when I finish at the end of the day, I know where everything is 
I can shut my eyes and pick up the next day knowing exactly where everything is in our system, in our process. The more I started doing that, the more I started freeing up my time, the more I was like, oh, someone else could just follow this. And then it was like, I'm going to get someone else to do this. Oh, wow, that guy did that better than I would do it. You know, um, and that's kind of what has snowballed over the last year. And uh, so now I'm about 80 plus percent off the tools in terms of Webflow development, maybe 90 percent. Um, they're probably more like 90% off the tools in terms of web. So if you, you have a team, you have processes, you're off the, like the actually doing the projects yourself. So why are you working so hard and you're making a bunch of money? So it's like, well, it's, you know, I mean, once you look at like business expenses, tax, oh my God, I don't know about other countries, but tax in Australia is just brutal. You know, it's enough now to pay myself and three other full-time employees, you know, wages, which is amazing to think about. It's at the point now where we're kind of breaking through to this point where it's like a, I see it like a threshold where, cool, this is working, but we want it to be exponentially good. You know, like, do I, do I just want, I, I don't want to just create a job. Like, I don't want to just In what sense? In what sense? But wait, but what is your job? So because you've created the processes, you have uh, team members working. So what is taking up most of your time? Now, what's taking up most of my time is um, two main things. One is the project management. So just ensuring that, you know, clients are happy. We have 15 design agencies that we're currently partnered with. And so that's a lot of just... Relationship management, yeah. Um, and then... Um, the main thing that I've been working on recently is our lead generation machine. So um, making sure that we have new work coming in, new business coming in. Which you're doing with which you're doing with cold calling? Or I have been doing cold calling, which has been brutal. Um, we've set up an email marketing system and uh, that's probably the main ways. And we've got a bit of a referral network as well that we've been, I forgot what I was saying. Yeah. Okay. So marketing and lead generation. Yeah. Marketing and lead generation. Yeah. Which by the way, those can be delegated as well. Correct. But I haven't got the systems for those yet. So I'm building those systems so that they can be delegated. So it's been like juggling 12 things. Now I'm just juggling six things, but there's all this stuff that I didn't know was going to exist. You know, when I was like, yeah, let's have a team. Like the team members, like they've got like hearts and health and minds, like they've they've got feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Ma yeah, management is tough. I mean, people don't talk about it. It's just, oh, so just delegate it, right? And who's going to take care of that person? <laughs> who's going to make sure they're motivated and happy yeah. and like achieving their goals and they feel fulfilled? And so it's creating systems and even just learning, like understanding what, what even works there, you know? Because what, yeah. what I, you know, what I thought might work for me isn't isn't the same you can't just like uh, this is so difficult for me yesterday i was having a conversation with a team member and we were you know reviewing priorities and stuff like that and you know she's doing fantastic work amazing work but she's a different person than me she manages her time and priorities differently from me and when i look at that and it confuses me my immediate reaction is to kind of like no 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 no. this is not how i would do it fix it to make it more comfortable for me 
I realized this is happening and I was just like, okay, no, no, everything is okay. But she th thought maybe something is wrong with her work or how she's working, but it's just me who have to deal with other people being different than me and not everybody. I don't have to force everybody to work or do what works for me. This is so difficult. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not everyone's ram. It's hard to comprehend. I know. <laughs> not everyone is perfect like me and does everything exactly right. The only way that it should be done like my way. <laughs> You're saying this because it's a joke, but this is so real to me and so difficult. Like, why can't, like what you said you're going to do something on time why can't you do it on time is it so like <laughs> look at me i always do it on time why <laughs> so it's just like <laughs> that that thing that you're saying i uh, dude what's really weird no one that knows me like, even you said like you picked up good vibes generally like anyone that knows me would probably well i hope they would say caleb's like a lovely guy like wants good i want everyone to be happy like i just want people to be happy and good things for everyone right However, business, oh my God, business is, I never knew that I had anger, but I have anger issues and it's all come out. It's has been this personal, business for me has been more of a personal journey than a business journey. It's crazy. Like angry, I get angry at people and I'm like, what is that? Yeah, my business coach told me something useful once, which is, you know, he was asking me like, what are your values? And I'm like, I don't know. It sounds always sounds like vague innovation, creativity, all these kind of things. He's like, no, 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 no. What what pisses you off? And uh, I was like, oh, when people are late. Okay, so here's your value. You value things being on time <laughs> or accountability. So this is a it's just a, an interesting way to, if you're self aware to say, oh, I'm really angry right now. Okay, that means that there is something that I value, and that value is not being upheld right now. So. It's an interesting perspective to understand. And then and then you can even go ahead and document those things. Like, okay, so that being said, not everybody's are, <laughs> it's going to be you uh, and you have to, to deal with it. Um, yeah, man. I've been going through that exact yeah. process that you're describing. Like dis as I'm like training new team members and I'm saying, oh, I like what I saw Tolu do. He, he suggested like, hey, why don't we do this? I said, why did I like that? Okay, he's taking responsibility for the project and he's trying to do the project better than the client has requested. I'm like, oh, that's a value. I want my team members to be always looking for opportunities to up-level our projects. Oh, so I'm documenting that and it's kind of building this image of you know the flow guru, right? The, yeah. Our ultimate team members. It's cool. Fantastic. But if someone just asked you, like, what's your values? I have the same thing. I'm like, uh. Like, I don't know. <laughs> on time. Yeah. Obviously, we're talking about you working so hard. Do you not concern or care about, like, work-life balance or, like, something like this or burning out or just, like, health? Like, how do you feel about those? Look, I really do care about my health and it's something I really want to get sorted. It just feels like it's more like... I've grabbed a tiger by the tail. It's the word momentum comes to mind where I've put so much effort over the last five years, like grinding and especially the last year, massive amounts of effort, investing in masterminds and mentorships and tens of thousands of dollars. Like for me, I'm like this close for what I envision to be happening. And so 
I don't want to slow down at this point because I'm, although I'm having weekends now, which it hasn't happened for four or five years. So weekends. Okay, so we're right. getting somewhere. Yeah. yeah, there's progress is what I'm saying. So yeah, I do really want to get, get on top of the health and have that balance, man. I'm starting to get a taste of it now. And it's only because of the incredible new team members that are coming on board because of the business systems that they can follow um, that I'm able to like oh, step back a second and be like, oh, that's cool. Toldo's got this. Oh, that's cool. Balls has got it. Like it's going to be handled, you know? How about you, man? Amazing. Do you, I, do you have the, do you feel like you've got that balance? Because I know you, uh, I, uh, I hear you're a machine. Right now I'm in a crunch. So the way that it works for me is I have crunch cycles, which, which, and they're usually kind of like quarterly or like 90 days sprints where, you know, I, I'm thinking about what do I want to do this next quarter or whatever. And we we're taking projects and then I move from planning into execution. And then I just run as fast as I'm a good sprinter, meaning I can run very fast for like 90 days and then I need to rest. So we will do all these projects, we'll ship something, we'll launch something. So right now, for example, we're working on the new Webflow Masterclass and a new website. And in the middle, we're launching like Figma course and so there's multiple things happening. But on me personally, I because I record the Webflow Masterclass, that's kind of like my main thing. Now it's also kind of like August and September, which is kind of like holidays for kids and like Jewish holidays and blah, blah, blah. So it's a very, I need to finish this in time and I just run as fast as I can. So right now, and I'm like, so now I have to, it's very tiring um, and I have to make adjustments uh, and work harder than usual. But then I know that when I finish it, I take a break. <clears throat> we're gonna, specifically, we're gonna go, go to Thailand for like two weeks and then I can chill and then I can, yeah, I can come back and then I can plan the next sprint and then I can run again. So it's, for me, it's kind of like sprints. If it was ongoing, which it was at some points, then at some point I would I, I just burn out and I'm like, ah, I don't feel like working at all. And I'm like tired all the time. But when it's sprints and when I can see the, you know, the end line, it, it's in sight, I know, okay, it's just two more months. I just have to finish this one thing and then I take a break. That's an interesting distinction that you can see the finish yeah. line. And I was yeah. going to say. Again, and again, and then, and then you invented the next finish line, right? Because it's never over. And even if you free up your time, then you create your new fictional goal and then you start running towards that. It's never done, right? Because we, we do what we love. So we, we want to keep on doing it. It's not as if I don't believe the fantasy of you will delegate everything, right? And you will work for our work week and be at the beach or whatever, right? <laughs> Look at Tim Ferriss, four hour work week. He's working harder than both of us probably. I mean, it's just like, it never ends. It never ends. If you like what you're doing and you know, and you're driven. Um, I was gonna say, yeah, man, I've been doing sprints too, but my sprint has been for five years. <laughs> that's tough, that's tough. I mean, yeah, it's a long sprint. But speaking of breaks, where, where are you going in Thailand? This time we're going to Koh Samoy and Koh Phangan. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. I never went there. I've yeah. always just gone to Phuket. Yeah, we were in Phuket last week. Oh, true. It, not it, Did I say last week? No, I meant last year. <laughs> Oh, when, were you there in November? We were there October, I think. Yeah, oh, October dude, we, we yeah. would have just crossed paths at the airport. Oh, man. I loved it. I loved Phuket. So really nice area. Beautiful, uh, man. Yeah, 
But in Copangan, there is like my wife's favorite hotel in the world. So it's like, we gotta go there. It's like, and it's always, it's always random, but the, I think the Jewish holidays, which is in the end of September, it's always on our anniversary. So we always have an excuse to, you know, hey, we need to go, we need to celebrate. Nice, nice, man. Beautiful. Yeah. I love Asia. I actually, I've lived in um, Asia for like five years in South Korea. Where? Mainly South Korea. Oh, that's Korea. awesome. Yeah, man. Why'd you go there? Um, my family moved over there and I was teaching English. Oh, nice. Did you pick up Korean? So that's <laughs> a little bit. Um, actually, and I was in Gangnam most days. So, you know, the song Gangnam Style? Yeah, yeah. In Seoul. Actually, yeah. and when that song was big, I was I was busking with my friend who actually speaks. Uh, he was brought up in Israel, speaks Hebrew, and he was okay. busking. Okay. We're busking around um, Korea together, and we ended up having dinner with the guy from Kangnam. With the guy, Sai. yeah, Sai. Oh my god, we're at the same table <laughs> drinking soju with the guy. It was crazy. It was just, <laughs> nice. How I don't random. know how that happened. That was nuts. Anyway. Nice. Another story. <laughs> Amazing. So you're you're very focused now on your team, you've mentioned. How did you like for me, hiring is very difficult. How did you learn hire or what have you learned so far? What's your process? Man, I, I would love to pick your brain. I mean, uh, because I'm sure you've probably had a lot more experience in the space. I am also finding it uh, difficult, but I think it's more because I've just becoming more and more specific about what I want. And I've come across three people so far that I just love working with. I just, in, in here, I feel like, I was gonna say love, but I feel good, just these beautiful feelings of like, man, I appreciate you so much. I want you to succeed. That's probably the key thing that I have distinguished in the last year that I wanna work with people that I just uncontrollably have a feeling that I just want this person to win. Like, I just like this person. I want you to do your best work. How can I support you, right? And they have that feeling towards me. There's something special in that dynamic that uh, I don't know how to define logically yet, but finding that. So how do you how do you find that on, do you do interviews? Do you pick that up on conversation? Yeah, so do you do I, we, I do interviews but um they're pretty casual but um the you know the main thing is just hey you know what are you about like what, what do you i really like to focus on what do you love doing like what are you really good at what do you enjoy doing and if you could just have your ideal job where you get to do a certain type of work every day and get paid well for it like what what would we be doing together and um you know if if i get excited about what they say if it's like oh, I don't know, maybe building, like, I like websites and, like, I, I start to go to sleep versus, like, oh, like, I really love, like, this and, like, being able to create things that do that. Like, I can see that they've got this vision of, like, creating things, making things better. And I get excited about what, like, oh, I like the way you think about that. Like, I start to think, oh, have you thought about, and then they're like, oh, yeah, I have thought about that, you know, so that, that area of like play and creativity. One guy is a great example, uh, the new team leader who officially, it's, he's not over the line yet, but he's gone through our kind of trial period. Tomorrow is the, the last day. 
99.99% sure. Bulls, if you're watching this now, I'm pretty pretty sure he's over the line. But the oh, what was going to say about Bulls? So the thing that I've really enjoyed about my experience um, uh, with this guy is that when we got on, I started showing him, hey, this is what we're doing at Flow Gurus. This is the systems we're developing. This is the career path that I'm trying to carve out so that it's exciting to work here. Here's the kind of things that I want to be doing. He started asking questions about, oh, so like, you know, you're going to do this. Oh, oh, that sounds like this. Like, and the conversations were the same conversations I have with myself about the business, which is basically, how can I improve this? How can I make this business better? Versus, oh, so how much is the pay? Or, you know, like, what am I going to have to do? Like, oh, like, I think this is, by the way, is so underrated and I've picked that up myself. Like people who ask good questions, that's immediately how you see how they think and yeah, that, that they care about this and yeah. I was just going to say, what is that reflective of? And I think maybe it's what you said there is like they, they care about something. Yeah, for sure. For sure. When I ask somebody on an interview, do you have any questions to me? And they're like, no, I think we're good. I'm like, okay. That's where I suspect. Ask me that question, man. I've got a thousand questions for you, dude. <laughs> yeah, you see? You see? That means it's a good fee. Yeah. So you told me you're excited about super components. I want to hear what you, what is that? Because I'm like in the world of components very strongly myself right now. So I want to hear what are you thinking about? Um, but seriously, though, I've got so many questions I want to ask you, man. Um, Let's but do it. Super, super components. So what I've noticed, we use Reloom and that has just been a game changer for, for us. Um, what I've noticed is that no matter what we use in terms of some kind of component library or naming conventions, there's compromises in any direction. There's always, if you do it this way, then you've got to compromise on that. And if you do it this way, there's always some kind of like, uh, rigidity with any system. That's why it's a system because it's you know locked into a particular framework. One thing that because we time and track everything on every website, and one thing one bottleneck that I'm seeing with our projects is navs and forms are two kind of painful things, especially when you get into things that are a little, little bit more complex and just things that you don't want to miss. You know, like the it's in our checklist, but every now and then things slip through. You duplicate a form and it's, you know, the same name or, yeah. So as an example, we, the next thing I want to do, and I was thinking about even creating like a public competition for it, but as a super nav. So at the end of the day, 99% of navs all have the same divs, as in they might have less of them, but they're all going to have relatively you know, the most you're ever going to have is some drop downs. But outside of that, you've got uh, either it's going to be a full width menu or that it's going to start from um, tablet. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, every time we build a site, we've always got some kind of bug with the native Webflow nav. Even the Reloom components? It's not so much the Reloom, it's not the components as much as it is just the Webflow native um navigation which they are using as well. as well oh which they're using yes yeah yeah, yeah. Really. Um, and something like this probably already exists by the way you probably already know of it but um just one nav that i'm like this is our nav 
This is the nav we use on every site. It's not styled, it's got all the basic components and it has the flexibility for us to do pretty much any nav we need to do. But what, do you, what are the problems that you're finding with like the native nav or something? Like what are some of the bugs that you're seeing? A lot of it comes down to um, the dropdowns and the interactions with the hamburger nav. Got I it. mean, one yeah. that just irks me so bad is that when you hit the hamburger menu, if you click it twice, yeah, it will trigger the interaction twice. Yeah, it triggers it twice. I'm like, that's and you build like a beautiful site, and then you've got this one little thing that's like, oh, you know. So just there's a few little things like that, which is just kind of like, you know, we we strive yeah. for this, you know, uh, premium sites, and we've got these little bugs. Clients pick up on those things. Our partners are design agencies, so they're not they're they're people that are really paying attention to those details. Yeah, we want to make sure that we have control over everything that it does exactly. Uh, another thing is the drop downs. Um, I don't know if you have this, or it could just be me not knowing what to do but when it comes to placement of drop downs being able to have full control over exactly the width of the drop down and where that drop down sits whether it's like butted up against the nav perfectly or the webflow native drop down components have these weird like default like settings that they're not documented anywhere and I don't know exactly what they are, but you run into them and you're like, it just won't do the normal thing that it does. Like if this was just a div and a div, it's not doing what a div and a div would do. Yeah. It's doing some other thing. So you're you're rebuilding like your own native components or for navigation and forms or, oh, that's the project. This, this is a project that I wanna mm. kick off with the team um, once we have a little bit more breathing room. Uh, because it's just, it's one of those things that every single project we, we're having to build the nav when it's like, yeah, you know, there's always a bug. Got it. It's always one bug. Yeah. I'm thinking a lot about components right now because we're trying, again, we're rebuilding our website and we want to set it up in a way that our marketer, who's not a Webflow developer, will be able to build up pages on his own. Uh, so we basically want to create like a library of components or elements that he can just copy and paste and customize without knowing Webflow. Uh, so that's that's what we're trying to develop right now. And, and so are you going to be using like actual Webflow as in like green components? It's going to be a component component? Um, or are you meaning like copy and paste? Yeah, so some of them are can be components, but other ones... Probably not. Like I'm thinking FAQ, for example. We don't want to. We figured out that doing FAQs that are coming from the CMS are hard to handle. They're very difficult if you want to rearrange or quickly edit. So some things are probably going to be simple elements to copy and paste. We just find that it's easier to manage them, even if they're not like a component component. Um, so just like an element, I guess. But we're still figuring it out. We're figuring it out. A little yeah. hack that I found useful in the last, I had to jump back on the tools in the last week because we just had a big influx of projects. And um, one thing I did on this last project was uh, I turned probably half of the half of the sections that I built into components. Um, and so when I was building out the other pages, I would just kind of search the component and plug it in, unlink it, and then adjust it for the for the new section so i found that having like a bit of a 
like green Webflow component library with all like existing assets worked really well for just dragging stuff in there. And as you know, like when you have a green component, you can't drop it inside other elements. So it's a lot easier to drag and drop, unlink, and then, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting. So what's the... What's the uh, what's the plan or the goal with having this? Is this just going to be for your marketing guy, or are you wanting to? Yeah, yeah, but I think it's. Uh, we're also working on a client project right now, and maybe we'll try that. But I think that it's a very interesting approach for web designers to sell as a service. So if you do a website project, but instead of saying, "Okay, here's the website, here's the five pages that you've asked for," if you can say. On top of those, I'm going to build you a component library. And that means you'll be able to add pages or edit your website and never have to deal with another designer or developer ever in your life to maintain and even upgrade your website. That's kind of like a very cool upsell. Um, And also in terms of like the experience for the clients to manage their own website, I think that can be a new approach or a new service to, to, to offer to clients. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I know use cases where that would have been ideal, you know, um, for sure. Interesting. So what were so the questions the you wanted to ask? I was literally about to say, <laughs> can I ask you a question? <laughs> for sure. Um, well, look, I mean, the thing I find fascinating, first of all, man, I'm just so grateful to be having a chat. Like I really do um, value the opportunity to just, you know, have a chat and be, be around you. Um, I feel, yeah, just very grateful, which is cool. Um, it's nice to feel nice things, you know? Yeah, dude, you, you definitely deserve it. Yeah, oh, thanks, man. I guess the main things that uh, come to mind uh, is that you have an incredibly unique perspective because from where you're standing, the interactions you've had and the perspective you have, seeing so many people who are wanting to achieve in Webflow, um, I think is just you know, you might be one of the only people other than maybe the people in Webflow themselves, but even people in Webflow, it's not quite the same as paying for a program or paying for a course because I want to succeed in Webflow and being like very in touch with that audience and seeing on the pointy end, let's say, that you're on the pointy end of what's working and what's not working for the Webflow community in a, in a sense, right? So I guess the, the main areas of curiosity that I find around picking your brain is is more around like the distinguishing or the distinctions between the things you're seeing that quote unquote work which i guess depends on people's definition of success but the things that you notice the patterns you see and oh this is seems to be the difference with people that are doing well and this is the difference with people that kind of it tapers off and doesn't work out like because i know there's things i'm not seeing because I don't have that perspective, right? I could be shooting myself in the foot every day and I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it's, um, I think there are a lot of d- very different definitions of success and a lot of different goals that people set for themselves. So in the category of building a business and an agency, first of all, and, and again, l- let me explain my perspective because it's not the whole perspective. My interaction with and our students are mainly people who want to work as either freelancers, web designers, or Webflow developers. That's mainly the people that I interact with. There are a lot of other people, people who want to, you know, join a team or people who work in enterprise or all kinds of different, but that's 
mainly the people who want to either they're designers and they want to add up a new capability or people who want to make a career transition into web design or web development and, and stuff like that. So that's, first of all, that's the context to my perspective. Now in that, there's few different kind of like outcomes or goals that people want to see. Some people, and I think you're one of them, want to build a business, build an agency, scale, do big things. And I think within them, you're quite high at the top in terms of success. You're doing all of the right things and all of the things that you talked about in terms of hiring, documenting your business, thinking about it as a machine, you know, pulling yourself out slowly out of like the day-to-day -day operations. You're, you're doing the playbook. I don't know if you've read The E-Myth. Did you read like the book, The E-Myth? It's kind of like, it's a business classic. Yeah, it's a business classic about how to run a business and a, you know, a business operator that wants to kind of like pull himself out of the business and document the processes and build a team. That being said, that's just one kind of like possible goal. There are other people who enjoy doing the work and want to keep doing the work and they just, you know, they call themselves freelancers or consultants or designers or whatnot. They just want to do that. They don't want to grow it, you know, some people get to whatever, 30K a year, 50K a year, and they're like, fantastic. I can support my family. I can live the lifestyle that I want. I'm happy. Uh, some people get to six figure and they're like, that's amazing. I don't need more. And I don't necessarily want to hire people or, you know, now there's also the, the trend of design subscriptions. I don't know if you've seen this around. It's like all of the breadth and design joy. And that's a lot of people who are, it doesn't matter that it's, you know, a different name for a retainer, but it's kind of like Brett specifically is kind of like a signifier of a person saying, I want to, doesn't matter. I make a lot of money, but I want to stay small. I don't want a business. I don't want to manage other people. I like doing the work and I want to keep doing the work and maybe it's unsustainable and whatever. So I'm going to save up money and later I'll figure out later, later. So there are different kind of like goals and outcomes. And I think on your path, and now we can talk about your path and kind of like what is success to you and like, what is, what is enough? Where do you want to go? Um, which is really an interesting conversation. Cause I think on that path, you're, you're doing all of the right things. Well, I had another question for you, if I'm allowed, okay. if, if I can, is that okay? Well, of course, dude. There's a couple. Yeah. I, I genuinely feel this like uh, real excitement to, to ask you stuff. It's just trying to make sure that I word things right to get, get the best juice out of the, you know. <laughs> and it's a conversation. You can rephrase and ask follow-up questions, dude. <laughs> sure. Okay. So one, one thing, I guess, because I'm in the space now of like hiring people and working with people, I'm curious you know, you don't, you don't have a shortage of people, right, that would probably be willing to put their hand up and say, you know, I'll work um, in Rand's team. What kind of people really get you turned on and excited about, like, I would love to work with someone like this? Like, what, what's, what lights you up when someone uh, wants to work with you? And do you have any ideas of what specifics, other than being on time, are there specific things which light you up about that? Yeah. So let me share. First of all, we, we just hired a designer. So that's, you know, we put an email to our mailing list. Hey, we're hiring a designer. Next day I have to review 550 portfolios. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so it, 
I'll give you a few interesting notes about that. So the way that I hire right now, or at least what I did is I've asked for a portfolio, which is obviously to see the quality of the work, but I also asked for a Loom video of like one minute Loom video, just introduce yourself. Because, and we, we talked about this earlier. You can immediately tell it, it doesn't take a minute. It takes 10, 20 seconds of seeing a person talk to understand their vibe, if they're excited, if they're uh, articulate, if like, what, what are they like? And it's very, very important because somebody might be, especially if you're working remotely and stuff like that, maybe they have a good portfolio, but so step number one is to kind of like have this high quality of work and then look like good, good vibe personality and, you know, and so the next step is we have a paid assignment. So for people who we think are interesting, we're, we're doing a paid assignment, something small, like $200, do this. And we send them an assignment that's already in our kind of like project management system and would feel very similar to the way um, in which we're working in terms of that we can comment and they need to check when it's done and, and stuff like that. And the way I do it is I'm saying, hey, here's the assignment, this is the price, this is what we want you to do. Would you be able to deliver this by next Wednesday or something, right? You, you set a deadline and then maybe they say, oh, I'm busy, Wednesday doesn't work, whatever. You get an agreement on a deadline and then you, you get them to, to do something. And so, and here's an example, because in this case I had like few people doing the, this assignment and I was very, I could say that from looking at their portfolio, seeing their, you know, Loom video, and then also having like a, a quick Zoom conversation with them. I was very excited about two of them, which I thought were the best fit. And then I gave them these two, the assignments. One of them delivered the assignment one day before, and he also sent two variations on something that we, we've asked for, you know, a design for something. He asked for two ideas, two different ideas. The other person delivered on time and did exactly what we've asked. So, you know, if we all, only had a single person, that person would probably work, right? I mean, he did what we asked, he did it on. But the other person has proved that, has already over-delivered in terms of we agreed on something and he did more than that on day one. So that, that kind of tells you something about how this person works and kind of get, gets me excited about, and, and, by the way, we started working with this person and he, that was a very good signal. He kept kind of like over delivering and doing things really, really well. So that gets me excited. Not, not so doing yeah. the bare minimum. Like that's kind of one thing. They're not just. No, 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 no. It's of course doing what you, what is expected of you is great. But when it's compared with somebody who is over delivering, then it's, that gets you really excited. I mean, the, as you said, that's the bare minimum. It's good enough. I mean, I don't, you, you don't have to, but it's very, very helpful to over deliver, you know? Yeah. That's yeah, um, a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What else? Shoot. <laughs> so what are you, ex oh, I got to think of a better way to ask it though. So I was a, curious about who you were excited to, to work with in terms of, you know, people joining a team. I find that fascinating. Because again, you have such choice. So knowing what you would find, you know, interesting is fascinating to hear. The other thing- But you know what? I want, I want to cut you off and I want to say something else. 
I think that you are one of my best bets for this year. Honestly, I'm very excited about our partnership, really. Oh Um, man, that's amazing. I literally feel like blushing. Yeah, no, really. I'm, I'm telling you this because, you know, when I first reached out to you again, after just seeing the Loom video, so it wasn't a lot. Now I kind of, I've, I've worked with multiple creators in the past and I got to the position where I'm like, I want to see videos that they did before I'm starting to work with people because, you know, otherwise it's very difficult to know and maybe they're not good communicators. And with you, I just had this gut feeling based on that single Loom video, which wasn't even a YouTube video or anything like that. And, you know, I was just like, let's, let's talk. And then just like talking to you got me really excited. And then immediately, you know, we started talking about the next project before the first project was even completed. Yeah, right. Totally. So to me, it was just like, okay, I got a very strong gut feeling and I'm double, I'm deciding to double down on this. What do you feel like? You, obviously your mind is, is reaching into some future idea. What do you feel like the thing is behind that? Like what's, when you say my gut, it's like, <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you something now. It's like, I hope you're, I know you're going to take this the right way, but I realize now that my job, and I think it's true for you as well, my job as a owner of this company, I have two, only two things I need to do. One, recognized undervalued talent. Okay, that's number one thing. And number two, hold the quality bar. That, those are the only two things I need to do if I'm building a business. Otherwise, if you're working with non-talented people, that's a problem. If the people that you work with are talented, but they understand how talented they are and they're gonna charge you in accordance, that might not be profitable. So I feel like I really recognized you as an undervalued talent, in which point, like, I'm just imagining, by the point, like next year or two years from now, I you're going to say to yourself, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, that's how much I charge run or something like that. But I do hope, but I do hope that I'll be able to provide you with value, you know, with our collaboration by helping you build your brand and bringing traffic to your agency. And I'll, I'll deliver value in other ways to you. So that partnership is going to be valuable on your end. I see you as a huge kind of like undervalued. I feel like I discovered kind of like a rough diamond and I'll take that. I'm going to, I'm it. going to, I'm going to polish that diamond gonna, and yeah, exactly. That <laughs> exactly. That's how I feel. Okay. That's, yeah. That's amazing. Mate, I will take that. That's incredible. I, I, yeah. I'm blown away to hear that. Um, and as you were saying, what's really interesting is it feels like this, like one-to-one for what I feel like I'm experiencing with my team. I was literally having this conversation today. You know, we in, in the community, there's a lot of um, like, you know, don't undervalue yourself and, you know, charge what you're worth. Uh, and I'm trying to say this in a way that's obviously balanced. But I kind of want to say to some people, I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. I'll just say it. Know, be blunt, of, be blunt. I'll say it as kind of my mind. I feel like saying to some people, you should undervalue yourself. I said, completely debase your value in a way. Like, obviously not completely, but. There's some people that are coming to me that are, that are wanting to get paid more than I pay myself in the business. The, the people I've literally, I think I said this to my team today, like I'm looking for people that are willing to start at the bottom, like you said, that are, 
they don't understand the value that they're bringing. I'm seeing some of the guys that have come to me, I'm like, man, like the potential that you have and your, your current employer is not seeing that. Like if you're in my team, like. But I want to say something. I want to say something on that topic. Please. The value is created also in the partnership, meaning you can be very, very, very talented. For example, you can be very, very talented, but with zero reach or you, you can't do anything on your own. Or if you do something great on your own, not enough people are going to get attention to it. And, and you can say to yourself, oh, but I'm so talented. I should be charging this and this and that. Okay, great. Keep doing that and you get nowhere. I can tell you, look, I'm going to pay you half of what you want, but I'm going to get you seen and noticed. And that's going to be a great stepping stone for you. And and I'm going to get you exposure and that's going to build your value in the future. Now, as I'm saying this, I, I hear, I kind of like hear the cynical voice in me say, well, a lot of clients say to designer, you know, Hey, work yeah. for free. And yeah, this is going to be oh, in your portfolio. And it's, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got three other websites we need to do. Yeah, man. And so I, I see the cynicism in this, yeah. but also I've done a bunch of free stuff when I got started as well. And it did open doors for me. So it's important not to be too cynical. Yeah, there are red flags for clients, but you also need to understand your situation right now and what is going to be valuable for you. Since we've been talking about this, like I've been really thinking about, and because I've been interviewing new team members, um, I've been radically transparent with my team members about this is how much money we're making. This is how much, uh, you know, for me, the way I, it's maybe arbitrary a little bit, but when I work with people, I like the idea that I know whatever I'm bringing to the table, they're making at least five times ROI, return on their investment from what I'm contributing. Because then it's, I know whatever they're paying me, they are, there's no questions about it. They're happy to pay me. I'll feel good about it. They feel good about it. What some people don't understand is if, if someone comes to me and say, like, let's say you want to get paid $2,000 a month, $4,000 a month, $4,000 a month. Let's say I want $4,000 US a month. For me to, to pay someone $4,000 US a month, first of all, I've got to change that to Aussie dollars. So we're talking about $6,500 at the moment. Brutal exchange, right? In order for me to get $6,500 in the door, I might have to spend $500 to $1,000 potentially in marketing. I might have to spend another $500 to $1,000 in project management, in da -da -da -da. tax, I've got to pay tax. So by the time I pay someone that $6,500, we're talking more like ten dollars to $12,000 a month that I have to make sure is coming in the business just so they're covered. Then you've got the rest of the business, then I have to get paid. What about the food on my table? You know, so I think potentially some people just don't understand the economics and just the logistics of, um, you know, a business and uh, a huge thing. All the things that someone doesn't have to do when you yep. just yep. do this one thing. That's that's a topic that I, I feel a lot about, which is why with my team, I'm like, dude, track your time on everything. So that you know, like this is, for example, if you're a freelancer, this is a bit of a rabbit hole, but if you're a freelancer, you know, it might take you a month posting stuff on Upwork, doing things here, doing things there, phone calls, sales. 
and you do one $5,000 website, you're like, wow, $5,000, all for me. But if you track your time on everything you've done before that $5,000 web, it's not a $5,000 website. You may as well work at McDonald's a lot of the time. Like I've worked building flow gurus. I've worked under the minimum wage. Like McDonald's workers have been paid more than me for probably not the majority of flow gurus, but there's been periods in the flow gurus three years that I've been paid less than a McDonald's worker, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I, you, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me. I, I did YouTube videos every day for like three, four, five years, uh, not getting paid at all, shooting, editing, doing all of that kind of stuff. And then, you know, launching a course and making a bunch of money and people are like, oh, how easy it is to make money online and it's passive income. I'm like, dude, there is nothing passive about this. This is so much work. Uh, and if you take that time and work it for all of the stuff I did not getting paid, yeah, you will get to. But one more thing that I wanted to say about that. So, for example, you know, when I had one of my first jobs in an agency and I was getting like ridiculously low pay, not only did he recognize the under undervalued talent, but he put that undervalued talent to work on huge, big complicated projects that I would never get to work on on my own. So the combination of taking that talent and putting it somewhere where it, it does not have access to get on his own is also important and is also part of the value exchange that I was getting. So I was saying, I'm getting ridiculously low amount of money, right? But I got to work with these very... Dude, I was part of the branding of the, the state of Israel. If you come visit us in Israel, you will land in the airport and you will see a you know weird shaped logo. And I worked on that. So that's crazy. And I was like fresh out of school. What a crazy project, like to brand your own country. Like I would have never have access to, to work on that. And they were getting like shitloads of money and I was getting peanuts. So... I've got, I've got no reservations about that. I mean, that's fair. So that's part of the exchange as well. <laughs> Me and my mate, uh, Luke, we, we talk about business all the time. And one of these things we've both seen a lot, and it's been really fascinating to see with people we've, we've worked with. You touched on it a bit, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Okay, here's, here's a good example. When I worked with the SEO company, I didn't care if, if they, we had an agreement, right? That I was getting a certain percentage of the profit of the website department, right? That was our agreement. I wasn't even an employee. That was, right? That's it, black and white for me. Not a dollar more, not a dollar less. If they made millions of dollars, actually, I've got a story. I, I don't think I can share that one yet. But if they make millions of dollars from what I did directly and I get, and I just get the this little part over here, I feel no, I'm 100% happy. There's no part of me that's like, Oh, well, I should, I should, well, I did this zero. However, I've been in situations with people where there is this, um, I don't like to use just entitlement, but like there's a sense of they should, like they deserve something from you, which what, do you have any thoughts on that? Like what that is? <laughs> Look, everybody's, uh, every, yeah, because, you know, everybody's on Twitter. Everybody has read the tweet storm by Naval or other people like, you never price your time. You need to build equity and you, here's how to make tons of money and be rich and stuff like that. Now everybody has access to this information. So now everybody thinks, tries to think of, hey, 
I want to be rich. I want to make lots of money. I'm going to do what these rich, smart people told me to do. And so that's it. You know, I need to, I need to get, you know, equity and cut of the business and I, I, I'm not going to sell my time. I'm not going to, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I feel like you've got a beef around this thing, dude. Look, when I started my company, I was very, no, I actually thought I was kind of like also in this kind of like tech. Uh, I was very inspired. I don't know if you know ConvertKit, Nathan Barry. And I was like very, very impressed with how he's building his company and doing rev share with the employees and doing, I was like, oh, I want to do this and started promising everybody, well, you're going to get rev share and you're going to get this and you're going to get that. And we're paying you Silicon Valley salaries, no matter where you are in the world. Why? Because when I started on my own and had kind of like big leverage, you know, I made a lot of money and. So most of it was profit, right? I only take what I need to live. So there's a lot of profit. So I was like, and also have this money issues where I feel guilt about making money. So it's not fair. I'm getting all the money. So everybody that's working with me need to be, get part of the money as well, blah, blah, blah. So that kind of led me into that path, which led me into stop being profitable <laughs> and then start losing my own money, not investors' money, not anybody else's money, losing my money. I don't want to say entitlement because I think it's my bad for setting up the expectations in a way that you deserve this. You deserve this. That was, that has become that plus me making normal business mistakes. And then, you know, the market turnaround recession, whatever you want to call this has led to me needing to fix things uh, and change make changes in the team, make changes in our compensation, and now have better people doing more, being better team members, making less money. And I, honestly, I think they're happier. That's a, it's an interesting one, man. I, I just had a thought as well that um, came up as you were sharing around the uh, one thing that I've found has kind of just clear, clears things up for me personally. Again, I haven't done it yet. We do have a bit of a revenue. It's a very small revenue share model that we're about to start uh, working with. But the difference with what I'm doing is that for me, it's like a happiness metric for me. I know looking at our numbers, I know what we need for for things to work and for every the wheels to keep turning. This is what I'm happy to pay, right? This is what I'm happy to pay. As soon as like I start to think about fairness or like that kind of blurry word that's where things start getting a little bit like ah you know because everyone has a subjective idea of like well i did this so just agreeing like this is what i'm happy to pay you whether it's revenue or whether it's just an amount are you happy to be paid that yes if it's yes then that's it we shake hands and if i make millions and you get paid ten dollars now there's no, like, that's, we're clear. There's no, um, there's nothing in the, in the middle, if that makes sense, but. Yeah, I, I, look, I think psychology, money psychology is weird and it's different for different people. And it's, uh, people might think that they're happy now. They might develop resentment later. Maybe they're not happy now, but in hindsight, it was actually pretty good. You never know, but yeah, I'm, I'm, for me, because I know my biases, which are again, oh, it needs to be fair. It needs to be all of these kind of things. 
it's very important and helpful for me to have a business coach who has a very different perspective than me and kind of slaps me in the face all the time. And also, <laughs> also, yeah, also Noah, my wife, who is managing the finances and, you know, does payment and PL and all of that. She's like, where is the money? Where is the money? Show me the money. Ah, that's so funny. I was just thinking that when just before you said it, I was like, I wonder if he has someone to rely on. Because I know for me, I've joined a community and I've been paying for a, a mentorship as well. Um, and I've found just having someone each week that's like, did you do the thing that you said you were going to do? Or like, they, they can see when I'm like, oh, shiny object. <laughs> and they're like, whoosh, like, Caleb. Yeah, very important. Do, do the thing. Stay in a straight line. So what are, what are the most uh, helpful community courses, mentoring stuff that you've done? What has proved helpful? Look, I've been in a few, to be completely frank, and ironically, it has uh, half of our business name in it. Um, I'm in a program called You Gurus and right. um, You Academy. And the, the guy you, that owns it. Y -O -U? Uh, so just the letter U. U the letter U, okay. Yeah, You Gurus. The, the owner, Brent, has just been super lovely to me, and he's been doing this for, for quite some time. Is it agency specific or? Yeah, so it's for agencies, for designers, mainly like, you know, to, to be able to have your own agency, etc. And it's not so much that the course content, because I've done a lot of courses and stuff over the years. And the main thing that I've really got out of it is one, having a bit of a structure, you know, that that's because there's so many things to do in a business. It's like, oh, there's some kind of step that I can tick off and like I've done that step, I can move to the next step. But the other two things was is just having those people around you that are really going at it as well, where you can share ideas and like, oh, dude, I've, I launched this email marketing thing. Oh, like, you know, I did that too and I found that this worked. But the other thing, uh, the third thing is just been having one mentor that every week is checking in and is like making sure that you're doing the things. Like, I don't know how to explain this or if you have a similar thing but it's like an internal clock i can sometimes go like a week and it's just a blur like what have i done what have i not done but when you have that objective third party that like comes in in a week and just helps you see oh yeah like what have you done this week and it just kind of realigns my compass i suppose yeah so i work with a business coach we're working together since 2018 so i guess it's five years now. And he, the first thing he did is he put me on daily documentation, uh, which means at the end of every day, I spend 10 minutes, I write what I did, what I struck, struggled with. And then at the end of the week, I summer. Now, he, initially he did that so that when I come to our meetings, we have something to review together. But then very quickly, we stopped looking at it altogether, but I kept doing it and I'm still doing it. I just reviewed like now I'm at week 300. So documenting every day and it's so helpful for me that actually leads me into not really needing the accountability because i have it all documented but he kind of does help me to see what i'm not seeing so kind of like getting that outside perspective and very funnily enough just like a few weeks ago yeah i think like two weeks ago or something like that two three weeks ago he actually also started telling me how about you also document your mood at the end of the day, and then you can start seeing patterns, 
like when do you feel good, when do you feel bad, and what causes that, and maybe see a relationship. But the funny thing is that since he told me to do it, every day at the end of the day, I kind of ask myself, well, how do you feel today? How was today? I'm like, yeah, pretty good. I'm happy. Uh, and like, and so now every day is like happy, 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 happy. And I wonder whether I'm really happy right now and I'm, I'm on a good streak or the fact that I'm reflecting about it puts me in a positive mood and it kind of like forces me into a positive mood because maybe I don't, I don't know. Uh, so I'm not sure why, but like all of my streaks right now for the last two, three weeks were like, I'm happy. I'm happy every day. Uh, so do you good. do it on yeah, a scale? Like, do you do it out of like out of ten or something, or do you? How do you measure? So I I have my. Uh, it's kind of like it's. Uh, I have an emo emoji for yeah exactly. I have an emoji for the day. So the uh, there's a smiley face emoji, which is basically. So I only have. Oh, that's cheating, dude. That's you've got emojis. It's, it's hard yeah, to it's look emojis. at emoji and not feel happy. <laughs> No, I have all the emojis. So the only day in the last like two, three streaks, which wasn't, so I wasn't sure how I felt that day because I just felt like my brain was melting just because I had back-to-back -back calls, which is like the worst thing for me. And I was just like overwhelmed. So I wasn't sure. It's like, I'm, it's not that I'm sad. It's not that I'm stressed. So I found an emoji that has, I don't think it's a classic emoji pack. It's like, a, that has kind of like this screw, uh, like this thing for pressure that's pressuring your brain kind of like, so that was the only emoji that I like brain, brain being squeezed is the only other emoji besides happy that I've used so far. That's yeah. a crack up. And so at the end of the month, you've got like, okay, this month we had three brain squeeze emojis, you know, 22 smiley emojis. So far it's good. So far I think I'm on a, I'm on a good streak. Uh, interesting, man. Well, I had the last question that I had, I was going to ask about what, what is kind of really exciting you about what you're currently doing. But if we have limited time, I was going to ask you um, one thing that I'm not prioritizing at the moment, but I know I need to prioritize very soon is like personal joy in terms of like getting fresh air, spending time with people that you care about. Obviously, we don't want to just be just doing stuff every day. Like it's one of the biggest regrets people have is like, I didn't spend time with people I cared about or whatever. What do you do? What do you, that's a funny question. It sounds really basic, but for me, it's like a big question. What do you do for fun? Like, what do you do for good feelings? That's probably a good, better yeah. umbrella. Yeah, yeah. First, fortunately, again, I don't know if to attribute this to my business coach or just I've figured out kind of like I've optimized my life around those things. So for me, for example, the things that really make me feel good is riding my bicycle uh, and either listening to music or uh, audiobooks or podcasts. So like me going to work, I've got like 20 minute ride from home to the office. Going to work and back is a lot of times peak moments in my day just because I, I enjoy it. And then I also like reading books. So most of my lunch times I'm eating alone. Sometimes I would eat with friends, which is also kind of like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a night person. I'm very tired at night. So most nights I don't go out. So my social time is sometimes around lunch. So I either work, eat lunch with a friend, which is fun, or I'm eating by myself and I'm reading a book which is also great for me. I love going to a restaurant alone, eating food that I like, that I love, 
and reading a book. So that's, that's another thing. So I kind of, I sprinkle like fun stuff, fun moments in my day that I look forward to. So I look forward to going to work. I look forward to my lunch break. And then I have my, you know, my three, four o'clock coffee. And there's kind of like, there's a rooftop three or four here. Which o'clock. Is, which is, PM. PM. Yeah. I like, you know, I, you I, I, no, I eat lunch. Then I go back to work. Say I eat lunch at 12 and then go back to work and then I'll do a coffee break around three or four afternoon. I wouldn't sleep all night if I had a coffee at three or four o'clock. Really? No, 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 no. So I do two coffees, one coffee when I get to the office, the second coffee, three or four. And I do this, there's a roof, which is kind of like a park in a way. So I just go there to sit in the sun for like 15 minutes with my coffee. Right now, by the way, it's super hot in Israel, Uh, but I like it. I like being in the sun. I like, you know, being on the grass, drinking my coffee there, chilling. So I kind of sprinkle these fun things in my day. I mean, that sounds that sounds beautiful to me. Do you have things that are like personal goals that are like that's kind of like the day to day things? Are there things like you know I want to move to here or I've got I want to go skydiving or whatever? Like some I want to go on this trip. Are there things that drive you? There have been. First of all, I've been 40 this year, so I'm in my middle no. of my midlife crisis right now. Yeah, but I think you mentioned that last time. That's crazy, dude. Uh, so first of all, up until we bought a house last year, up until buying a house, that was kind of like a very big milestone that I was working towards. Like, oh, I need to make money so we can buy a house. We live in Tel Aviv, super probably one of the top expensive cities in the world. And we have a really nice house. So it's that was a big thing. Now that I got that off my chest, I'm like, there's no specific kind of like goals for me. Uh, yeah, no big things. They're kind of like, yeah, I have a list that I wrote this year of things I want to start doing. Uh, I wrote there, I want to start climbing, which I did a little bit like rock climbing or wall climbing. Uh, learned to sail a, sail a boat because I was on a boat trip with a friend who knows how to sail last year. And that was so cool. I was like, hey, I want to learn how to sail a boat myself. So those are kind of like random. Um, I also learned piano, which is started doing during COVID. And I get very, (laughs) I'm like, oh, I need to practice 30 minutes a day. And like, there's no reason for that, but it it actually adds stress to my life because I'm like, I feel feel bad when I'm not playing. I'm like, ah. God, I'm so horrible. And then TikTok shows me like five-year-old piano who are kicking my ass. Like five-year-old kid. I'm like, ah, my God, I'll never be that good. (laughs) I love how you grab this like, I want this, I want a passion hobby so I can relax. And the next minute you're stressed out every day trying to learn piano. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. All right, dude, we got to wrap up. It was an awesome call. Fantastic call. Yeah, Thanks thanks for doing it with me. Looking forward for the next one. Yeah, we should do it. Yeah, yeah. I, will, I feel like we went down quite a few different rabbit holes, but uh, hopefully. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a bunch more on my list here, which we didn't get to. Yeah, like what's, what success is for you, you being worried about AI. I've got a, a, bunch, of, a bunch of stuff to talk about, so we, we might want to do another one. Man, I, I, love, I love chatting with you. Like I just want to like, it's almost like, um, like it's not enough. I just want to yeah. like- I'm still not at the, I don't know if you listen to like these three hour podcasts, uh, like Lex Fridman, Tim Ferriss kind of like, or Joe Rogan kind of like long conversations. 
yeah i'm not at that level yet but we're we'll do part two for sure yeah yeah maybe it'll have to be in person maybe that's the thing because okay like, okay are you coming you to know? israel or i have to come to australia oh i was thinking about that that'd be more fun hey by the way by the way by the way in october we'll be in london for webflow conference think about that think about that i'm doing a workshop there and our, our whole team is coming so check this out it's october 18th and if you want to come let me know i will let you know okay i will let you know i appreciate it man well um yeah i guess i don't give you need to give you an update on uh the video stuff but it's mainly this no, weekend right i'm putting now. in two days man i'm just so Fantastic. pumped about it and the team as well the guys i've told them i said man Rand said it would be cool for you guys to do the course they're like that's awesome cheers man it was awesome to chat